And for the rest of us, we'll be in Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. It's printed for you in Toto in the ESV version in your bulletin. So if you remember where we've been, as you're turning there, we, we ended the potentially scandalous chapter. Yeah, last week, we saw the incredible blessing of God on Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, each trying to bless each other and yet each getting blessed in the process. We saw that wonderful fact that because they were secure in their relationship to God, they could then have the freedom and security to try to be a blessing to others. And so Boaz has agreed to take care of Naomi. He's agreed to marry Ruth. But now he has to deal with that first redeemer, the guy we just found out about. And so Boaz and Ruth say goodbye at the threshing floor. Ruth goes home and Boaz gets to work on the issues. And that's right where our text picks up today. So if you will, will you look at me at Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. This is God's word. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech. And all that belonged to Kilion and to Mahlon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Mahlon, I have bought to be my wife. To perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. That the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is God's word. Let's go to him together in prayer. Now teach us your ways, O Lord, that we may walk in your truth. Your word is truth. 
And so as we come before your word, Lord, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to open this text up to us and unite our hearts to fear your name by your word. Show us again the gospel of grace and change us because of the encounter with your grace. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we jump into this text, I have a quick confession to make. I hate paperwork. I don't mean like office paperwork. I mean like the kind of legal banking paperwork. Stuff where you have to sign and obligate yourself to things. I just, I get sweaty. I get nervous. My hand shakes. I can barely do the signature. And it's really difficult. Lord willing, we're closing on a house in a couple weeks and I'm going to be a mess. So I hope Sam's going to take care of it. I hope he's ready in his office with lots of paper towels. I'm going to be a sweaty mess because it's the official nature of it all. It just makes me nervous to be at this real estate closing especially. And I bring all that stuff, all that weird legality stuff happening in real estate closings because that's actually what we're looking at in Ruth chapter 4. Verses 1 through 8 really are a transcript almost of a trial, uh, uh, of a courtroom setting of what's going on at an ancient real estate closing. So I hope you're ready to be just enthralled and entertained as we go through a real estate closing this morning. It's going to be great. (laughs) But it's all focused on redemption. It's not focused on land. It's focused on the idea of redemption, helping us remember what redemption is. And we need that because redemption is one of those churchy words that we use a lot. And we kind of know what it means, but sometimes it's good to be reminded of where it came from and what it really actually means because redemption is legal it's substantial redemption is official and we need to read it that way in this context we're going to miss the point of this chapter we're going to miss the point of redemption so to help us understand that i want to give you a sentence today Uh, parents use this throughout the week at family worship here's what we're going to talk about today real redemption is about a people and a courtroom not about me and my heart I'll say that again. Real redemption is about a people and a courtroom, not about me and my heart. Because true redemption is not just feeling forgiven. It is a community being declared forgiven. And so with that angle, let's jump into this text this morning. The first thing we see is that true redemption is legal. It's costly. It's not sentimental and easy. So Boaz makes his way to the city gate. That's where business is transacted. It's where all the official stuff is done. We actually have archaeological evidence from bigger towns that there was a miniature courtroom kind of right there at the gate of the city. So this is where they did their stuff in ancient Palestine. So he sits down there symbolizing, I'm ready to do some business. And in God's providence, the the Redeemer, the one he was seeking, oh, just happens to come by right at that point. And so he calls out, not friend, like the text the ESV has, but actually it's more generic. It's almost the equivalent of our, hey you, or um, what's your face? Come here. He has him sit down. He grabs ten elders as they go by. And what's going on there? He, he needs a legally constituted court. So he gets to ten elders of the city. He gets the guy. And he sits down. He has it all official because redemption is not a sentiment. Redemption is official. Redemption has teeth. Redemption is binding because real love, real grace, this kind of rescuing love, it's more than a feeling. You know, it's almost proverbial 
to think of the young unmarried couple who are thinking about living together before they get married. And what, what do you always hear them say, right? They say, oh, well, we, we don't, oh, baby, we don't need a piece of paper to tell us how we feel about each other. And that may be true. But what happens when the feeling fades? You see, real love binds itself officially so that when the feelings come and the feelings go, the commitment is there. It has been bound and it is public and it falls back on that, not on the feeling. That's what's happening here. He's creating an official binding commitment because he loves Ruth and whatever happens, he wants it to be official. And so too, dear Christian, as we think about this, as the word redemption is all over this passage, we have to recognize that real redemption is about a people and a courtroom. It is not about me and my feelings and me and my heart. Redemption is not a peaceful, easy feeling. It is legal. Redemption has to do with guilt before a holy God. That guilt must be taken care of legally, covenantally. Someone has to pay for the guilt of that sin. Redemption's not about a group hug and a round of kumbaya. Someone's got to pay the penalty. Because redemption is official. It's legal. It's costly. So back at the gate, Boaz tells Guy, we'll just call him Guy because that's kind of what the text calls him, about Naomi's land for purchase. It, it needs to be taken care of. Kids, look with me at your verse 4. Here's how we translated this for the kids so they would understand says this, says, I thought you should know about it, and I've assembled the court here so you can go ahead and take care of Naomi like you're supposed to. If you don't buy the land, then I will, because one of us has to do it. The guy said, thanks, I'm happy to redeem Naomi's land. You see, in God's blessing on his people throughout the Old Testament and today, it's always a land and a people together. God was the ultimate landowner and he had divvied out the land usage among the people but he always had ways if someone fell into distress if someone had to sell the usage right of that land to get them out of trouble or they got into debt or whatever there was always a way for the land to be restored back to the family because the family the community and redemption went right together and those who were responsible for getting that land back were called redeemers. They had to take care of the situation if somehow family and land were going to be separated. They had to bring it back together again. This is part of the original blessing of God. Adam and Eve were given a specific place and said, this is yours. Tend it. Keep it. Take care of it. Because his blessing is a people in a place. And we all know they blew it. They were, they were, they were there to flourish and they didn't make that happen. So Jesus Christ comes as a second Adam in human flesh to be family to us and to get us back to a land, to get us heading towards a new home after having made us a new people. The blessing of God is always together with a people and a place. And so we see that here. So the church of Jesus Christ, us as a new community, a new people, we're a foretaste of that land that's coming, of that people that's going to be, that home that awaits. And that's what Boaz is putting in motion here. Ruth and Naomi have been separated from their land and the family is, in, is about to die, so I'm going to pay the price to bring them together and I'm going to make it legal and I'm going to make it binding because it's not just that I feel love for them, I'm going to make them secure and bind myself to make this happen because true redemption is legal. It's not just sentimental. The next thing we see is that true, the true redeemer can then bear the cost. 
and he seals it with a sign to show it's true. So he makes the offer. He lets the Redeemer know, and good news, it's going to happen. The Redeemer says, I am happy to do that. Yes, let's do that. This guy's going to take care of Naomi. All is well. But then Boaz all of a sudden becomes one of those announcers on the 1995 commercials, right? He all of a sudden says, oh, but wait, there's more. If you do it right now, you also get Ruth. Look at me, verse 5. The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. See, so far it was all about land, not really about family. Until right now, Boaz has now brought in the family aspect as well. Elimelech's family is about to die. His line is about to go away. There are no heirs. His sons died without children. His line is going to disappear. And God said, this should not be. My blessing is on my people to, the, to generation after generation. It's for you and your children. So he set up this redeemer system so that there would always be a family line continuing. And so Boaz reminds us, hey, as the Redeemer, yeah, you've got to take care of the land. you also got to take care of the family. Ruth needs to have a child. And the Redeemer needs to help her get that child. Now, technically, Boaz is appealing more to the spirit of the law than the letter of the law, we could say here. The Redeemer actually doesn't technically have to do this. But now it's public. It's out there. The guy can't just say, well, I'm going to redeem the land, but I'm not going to do the Ruth thing. He, basically, he has, to do one or the, he has to do both or neither. He's either the redeemer or he's not. So verse 6, <coughs> excuse me. Then the redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now here is where I'm supposed to bash this guy. I'm supposed to tell you he's worldly, he's selfish, he's thinking only of himself, he's not doing what's right. And I'm supposed to pick that up and kind of apply it somehow to you and make you feel guilty for, not being, for being worldly and for being selfish and for not doing right. And then I guess I'm supposed to ask you for money or something, I don't know. But the text doesn't bash this guy, so we're not going to bash him either. That's not what's going on. The man just says, look, I don't have the ability, I can't do this. Here's how we did it for the boys and girls. Adults, this might help you as well. Boys and girls, look with me at your verse 6. <clears throat> he says this. I don't have the money to buy the land, support Naomi, Ruth, and a child, and then give the land back to that child for free. The costs would damage what goes to my own children. You can do it, Boaz. I just can't afford it. That's actually a better literal translation of what he says. I mean, think about what we know about this. Boaz was single... We know Boaz was wealthy. We don't know about this guy. We do know he has children, so most likely he's not wealthy. It made sense in the situation, didn't it? For Hey, Boaz, you seem to be the one providentially ordained. You have the ability. Maybe you should do this. I just can't do it. Being a good steward over my family, what God has given me, this would be unwise. You do this. I can't bear the cost. And that's the point. This potential redeemer had the, did not have the ability to pay what was needed. Because see, the real redeemer, he's not just willing. He's able to bear the cost. He can do it. So Boaz stands up out of love and ability says, I will do it. Oh, this passage, of course, being about redemption makes we, as New Testament Christians, think of our own salvation. 
We're supposed to think of the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ, but we should also look at our own hearts and recognize that very often we look to other things to be our redeemers too, don't we? Very often we look to maybe this thing and say, well, this redeemer wants a little too much commitment, but this one, maybe this one will make me happy. This one will will fulfill me. Maybe this will make me feel secure and valuable. But when you get right down to it, if that can't bear the cost, we end up being anxious and insecure, not happy, not redeemed. Let me give you an example. If you're looking at financial stability to give you peace and value in life, to anchor your life, say, no matter what happens, I am financially stable, things are good. Except you constantly worry about money, right? You don't have any peace because this is your lifeline. You've got to check your lifeline every day. You see, whatever you look to as your redeemer, if it's not big enough to pay the full price, it leaves you insecure about it. And as we as New Testament Christians read this, we should think of this, that man, this man could not afford it. He was not the right redeemer. And instead of bashing him, we, we could think, wow, I'm so glad God provided a true redeemer in Boaz. And I'm especially grateful that God has provided a real redeemer in Jesus Christ because the things I look to can't sustain me either. Because the real redeemer can bear the cost and he can set you free. Again, this story is ordained by the Holy Spirit to point us to Jesus Christ. Ruth and Naomi needed forgiveness of debt through selling the land. That's why the land was gone out of debt they had mortgaged it and it's gone they need to get it back they also needed family security to be brought back into the fold through marriage and a child they had this massive double need and only the true redeemer could bear the double cost of that and so too dear flock you do realize you have a double need before a holy god you need freedom from the guilt of your sin you have all of us We have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us has brought about the wages of sin, which is death. We have sinned against an infinitely holy God and put ourselves in debt to Him, and we cannot pay it. We need someone to free us from that debt, pay for that guilt. But we also need to be made righteous. We need to be made positively holy before God because you cannot be in His presence without holiness. We need someone to come forgive our debt of sin and give us righteousness. And the only person who can do that is the Lord Jesus Christ to bear that double need. He lived the life we should have lived, earning the righteousness we need. He died the death you and I should have died, paying the penalty for our sins. And it is in that He bears the cost. And He comes to us and He says, You are forgiven. And now let me introduce you to my dad and he can be your dad too because he'll adopt you because I've made you holy. That's what we need. And it's so well reflected here in this chapter because Boaz is going to step up and he's going to pay off the debt and he's going to give him a family because he is a redeemer. A redeemer who points us to the Lord Jesus Christ and he makes this legal and he makes this official because it's costly and it's real. So in an in a oral culture where most of the people were illiterate, you, you didn't sign documents. Most people couldn't read it and they couldn't make a signature. So back at this time, it was even early for whenever they wrote Ruth, covenants, legal matters were sealed with a promise. 
And then there was a sign of that promise. And so in this time, in this place, real estate deals, were basically you slipped off your shoe and handed it to the guy. Weird to us, made sense to them somehow. So it was sealed with a shoe, right? It was sealed with a shoe. No, it's sealed with a promise. And the handing of the shoe points to that promise. Without the promise, it's just a shoe. And so too, dear flock, our redemption that is real, that is substantial, that is costly, our redemption in Jesus Christ is not just a sentiment that we look back on and hope and say, oh, I hope that's true. No, it is sealed with the very promise of God that he promises that I will look on Christ's life of obedience instead of your life of disobedience. I will look upon Christ's innocent death instead of demanding your death because you're not innocent. I promise to do these things. And that wonderful redemption sealed with his promise is given to us with a sign. We don't take a shoe off every Sunday and we show you, look, it's real. But every once in a while, God draws us to this table. He sets a meal in front of us and says, look, chew on the really chewy bread. Drink the really pungent juice and see and believe in my promise. Because that is a sign that points us to the seal of our redemption and the promise of God. Because real redemption is given with a sign and a seal. Because it's not a feeling. It's an actual legal matter. <clears throat> Jesus Christ has given us the table because we're, we're shown his broken body in the bread. We're shown his shed blood. And we're reminded of the promise of God that our redemption is true and real and that Jesus Christ can bear the cost of our redemption. And so next, <clears throat> Boaz goes and Boaz shows us that true redemption is public and the witnesses rejoice in it. So willing and able to bear the cost, Boaz, as the Redeemer, he declares what he's done publicly. He says it so everyone can hear it. And then he charges the witnesses who, to, around him to confirm it. <clears throat> Boys and girls, look with me at your verse 9 and 10. I wanted you to understand this, so please follow along, verse 9 and 10. Boaz took the shoe, and he said to everyone there, You all see this. I have bought Elimelech's land from Naomi, and I have promised to marry Ruth so she can have a child to keep Elimelech's family in Bethlehem. All of you now make it official. Today. See, he wants this real. He wants this settled. He wants this done. He's willing to do this. Why is Boaz willing to do this? There's got to be more here than infatuation with Ruth. This has got to be. Why is he willing to do this? Because as we are shown when we first meet Boaz, he is a worthy, godly man. He is one of the men. We have David who's called a man after God's own heart. And we have Boaz who is called a mighty man of valor is how the old King James translates that phrase. He is a man who knows his God. And Boaz, he's willing to be this loving and this kind and to do a very costly work of redemption because he believes his God does that. Because the God of the Bible is all about showing love and showing grace to the wrong kinds of people, isn't he? The outsiders, the widows, the Moabites, even people like us get shown grace. Because that's who God is. And Boaz knows that's true, and so he's willing to be this kind of redeemer. And dear flock, I hope that you know that's true, because it is. 
the second half of verse 10 here when he says, you are witnesses this day. Jesus Christ himself actually grabs that phrase and uses it in his own ministry. I'm going to read you four verses from the New Testament. I know it's hard to follow along to a long quote. Please hear this from Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 48. After his resurrection, Jesus has appeared to his disciples and he says this. He said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. See, as Redeemer, Jesus Christ really follows the pattern of Boaz who's following the God-ordained pattern of redemption. He comes, he does the action, then he declares what he has done, and then he charges the witnesses to confirm this, show this, tell this. You do realize, dear Christian, that's all evangelism is. We are confirming what Jesus Christ has declared he's done and what we know he's done. We're not trying to convince people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are simply confirming the historical redemption that has occurred because we are witnesses to those things through his word. And we have his word from the people who were the actual witnesses. That's what the people at the gate did. Boaz declares, he charges them to witness, and so they say, yes, they testify, we saw it. And they call down God's blessing on this wonderful redemption they've just seen. Again, this is kind of weird stuff. Children, I wanted you guys to really understand this. So look with me at your verse 11 in your, in your verse. It says this. <clears throat> verse 11. All the people and the ten elders said, we saw it. It's a done deal. May our God make Ruth a blessing for the whole nation like Rachel and Leah were. And Boaz, we hope you do great things that bless Bethlehem they actually ask that God make this Moabite a builder of Israel because God's grace is at work and they see it this type of blessing is not common a lot of times when stuff like this happens we think oh they just must have done that in that culture no they didn't this is not a common thing that happens this kind of calling down a blessing after a a court situation what's going on is that It's the dark days of the judges. That book of the Bible that ends, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. In the dark days of the judges, Boaz is going beyond normal. He is showing that God is doing an amazing thing and so the people see it. They recognize God is doing something awesome, that God is moving through Boaz. They get the sense of this and so they ask God, would you do some of that right here since Ruth and Boaz live here? Could you give us some of that, Lord? Thank you for this movement of grace, Father. Thank you. Please let it continue and build up our community with your grace is what they ask, what they call down. In other words, they worship. They see God's grace. They have witnessed a great redemption and God is doing something amazing in their community and so it drives them to praise Him for His great redeeming grace. Oh, I hope that that's what public worship is about for you who know Christ. 
that you wake up on the Lord's day and say, man, it's been a tough week. I would rather sleep in right now. It's kind of rainy. But I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I am free from the wrath of God for my sins because Jesus Christ paid the penalty with his own blood. Oh, hallelujah, God, what amazing grace. I'm going to go and I'm going to worship because you are worthy. I hope that's what it's like for you. Because God's people, when they see a great redemption, they evangelize, they confirm it, they bear witness, and then they worship because it's amazing to be part of God doing that in your community. Because true redemption is public and the witnesses rejoice in it. Because redemption is about a people and a courtroom. It's not about me and my heart. So as we've seen through this whole book of Ruth, God is a God of redeeming grace and redeeming love. It's a Hebrew word that we kind of learned together. Remember, it's, it's chesed. There's not a one-word English translation, but I want you to think of redeeming grace and redeeming love. That's what chesed means. And God shows that to the outcast. He shows that to the sinner. Boaz here points that love towards Ruth. And ultimately, we see that that love was made flesh and it walked among us. That Jesus Christ was made flesh to be the chesed of God. To be that redeeming love, that redeeming grace. And Jesus Christ comes to the outcasts. He comes to the sinners. He comes to the widows, the Moabites, people like us, the Ruths of the world. He comes to us with his redeeming love and his redeeming grace. He holds out the promise of forgiveness, the promise of a family, a new community and a new hope. And he promises is, I will take away your guilt and I will give you new life in Jesus Christ and I will make you part of my family so close that I will adopt you and tell you to call me dad. Do you know God through Jesus Christ like that? Are you secure and at peace because you know he has redeemed you? He has paid the cost you could not pay. If you know that, then rejoice. Bear testimony to those who don't know and then worship God with your whole heart. And if you do not know God through Jesus Christ like that, I invite you to come to Him today. Come and be redeemed as one who has nothing to give, nothing to offer, nothing to pay for your guilt and simply place your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone. Cast off everything you've called religion, everything you think you do to make God happy and simply say, I can't do it. Will you please forgive me through Jesus Christ? He will set you free. He will make you family. And he will give you the promise of a coming home where you will be fulfilled. Oh, if, that is, if that's speaking to your heart, I invite you to do that now. Don't wait. Do it this moment. Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we thank you for the incredible redemption you have wrought in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do confess that redemption is one of those words that just rolls off our tongue so easy. We don't even think about what it means. And so, Lord, we thank you that in your wisdom you've given us Ruth chapter 4 to see the actual leading legal procession of redemption, to see how costly and how official and how public it is. And Lord, we pray that you would do your work of redemption this day. 
that is Jesus Christ has been lifted up and shown to be the crucified Savior of your people, that you would be true to your promise of drawing all people to Him. And Lord, we ask that those of us who know you already, would you forgive us for going after other redeemers, going after other things to make us happy in this life? Would you help us once again to turn back to you in faith and trust and to live as those who witness to your good, your redemption to others and those who worship you because of your redemption? And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.